whether it's a decade-defining play. Auburn's going to win the football game! Auburn's going to win the football game! A hit heard round the world. You got barbecue back there? And you didn't invite me? Hurt my feelings! Or some all-time great interviews. I think I got my swagger back! Oh, oh. We're here to bring you everything college football. This is the four-year starter. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, once again to the four-year starter. I'm your host, Bear, and we've got a pretty exciting one for you today. I'm honored, as always, to have my partner in crime with us, writer and producer of Bring the Blitz with Bane, your one-stop blog about everything NFL. He's got power rankings, weekly pickums, fantasy advice, and so much more. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Bane. How we doing, buddy? Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm super excited to talk a little bit of college football. I know that my expertise is probably more so on the pro side, but always good to jump on with my with my best bud and, and talk some college, some college ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at this point, I think we might as well just jump right in. There's no reason to, uh, you know, wait around. Let's do it. Okay. As we are recording this seconds ago, uh, there was some breaking news that we will get to a little bit later. Um, but first off, we're going to start with um, with some top 25 information. Uh, we're we're going to take a look at the Buckeyes versus the Nittany Lions. Last time Penn State won this game, uh, it was in 2016, and the final score is 24-21. This one, if you remember, was a doozy. Ohio State late in the game went to kick a field goal to take a seven-point lead, and bam, just like that. Blocked kick, and they returned it for six the other way. Penn State now has the lead. Since then, however, with a little help from a little James Franklin, Ohio State has won each of the last three meetings. Uh, Bane, what do you think for this week? What do you think is going to happen? You know, I'd like to drink the Penn State Kool-Aid, but I don't think I can. Um, I think Ohio State's the better team, both up front on the offensive line and defensive line. Uh, you know, I think they do enough offensively to to cause fits for that Penn State defense. I'm, I'm taking Ohio State, and I'm taking them big. I, I don't think this game will be as close as it's been the past couple of seasons between these teams. I think Penn State's a little overrated, and I think really this comes down to the quarterback play, in, in which case I, you got to give a, the uh, advantage to Ohio State and Justin Fields. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt. Justin Fields is clearly one of the premier quarterbacks in uh, college football right now. There's a reason he's projected going top five in uh, next year's draft and just about any mock draft you look at. But I'm not as sold. Uh, I'm not drinking the Penn State Kool-Aid by any means at all. But something about this game, it's it's always close. It's always a fun one. Um, yes, it's been three years you know, since um, the Nittany Lions came out with a victory. But like, like we mentioned earlier, it's it's because of one, two plays. Um, last year, I want to say he ran the ball. They ran the ball on fourth and five, um, and it basically ended the game. The year before that, I think it was fourth and one. They didn't get it, and that ended the game. It's there's there's these these close calls both ways. And while you know, it it should it should be Ohio State 
up and down the field. Absolutely. They're, you know, they're favored by 12 and a half points. I just, I think Ohio state wins, but I think it's closer to 10, 10 and a half point game in that, in, in this one. Ohio state blew out Nebraska last week. Uh, you know, I don't feel like that game was close, but I also felt like we didn't see Ohio state kick into an extra gear like Clemson did against uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, you know, I don't know if Absolutely. Ohio State has that. I like to think that they do, and, you know, they've only played one game so far this year. I don't know if Penn State's going to be that competi- competitive team for them that, you know, allows Ohio State to kind of kick it up a notch. Um, but it very well could be. I think this is one of those games that Ryan Day is going to have his guys prepared for. Yeah, uh, and I think that's a great point. On top of that, I'm sorry, any team that any team that has Larry Johnson as a uh, D line coach, you got to give the advantage to that 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 front, that front four right there. It's just it's unbelievable. Um, even it's, lose, it's every year with that, with, it's every year with the Buckeyes. Absolutely, yeah, I mean, there. you lose talent after talent from Bosa brothers to Chase Young. Uh, you know, this year um, they're still trying to figure out who that uh, who that top dog is. They're still, even in that first game, they annihilated Nebraska's offensive line. So, you know, it'll it'll be fun to see for sure. I expect them to go into Beaver Stadium, not be affected by too much noise since yeah, there won't so be any. Other, um, yeah, that's the other thing. In 2016, when Penn State last beat Ohio State, was it, was it at Happy Valley? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was, yeah. Okay. I see. I mean, for me, that's a huge part of college football this season is removing that home field advantage. If you recall a couple, you know, a couple of years ago, maybe one or two years ago now, I think when Penn State hosted Michigan mm-hmm. and I remember it was a really big game and I think they had their whiteout game for that. And uh, Michigan had to call timeout on the first play on offense. You know, that, that just goes to show you how impactful a college atmosphere uh, you know, home field advantage can be without that this year. It, uh, you know, it definitely makes more even playing fields. I think that's why, you know, you, you we're not going to see so many upsets this year as well. So, you know, but that's a, that's a good thing to point out. There's not going to be too much crowd noise to affect Justin Fields and that offense. Yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe um, based off of, Pennsylvania, like governor rules, what they have set in place. It's I think 25 or 20% of, uh, of max of the max population that the stadium holds or max capacity is able to, uh, to, to, to go. And so, I mean, that's, that's nothing. But that's still also about 25,000 people. Agreed. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, happy you know, Valley, when, happy Valley makes noise. I mean, when they're there, they're okay. loud and they're making noise. So yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be loud that the way that stadium's built, it doesn't let the noise out. Um, unlike places like the big house where it holds even more people, but the way that's shaped, that just the noise filters out. It's, I think it's going to be closer than we think, but, uh, you know, at this point, it's obviously anybody's, uh, anybody's game. I like that they, they made this game uh, at, at night as well. I, I don't think there's a better atmosphere in college football than a night game there. And, um, you know, what a great matchup we get to get to watch this Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final picks here. I'm going to go Ohio State money line. 
uh, but Penn State covers the spread. Bane thoughts? I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the Buckeyes to win this one, and I'm gonna take them to cover as well. Okay. All right, let's let's move right along here. Would you believe it if I said that this was the only top twenty-five matchup um, that had you know two teams in the top twenty-five? That Buckeyes Nittany Lions game. There is no other for the rest of the week. Um, I mean, that's that's really crazy. Yeah, you know, normally we get at least two, three, whether it's a you know twenty to twenty-five versus a ten, but yep, we only have eighteen versus three this week. So you know, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, you know what? Let's take a look at Boston College versus Clemson. A little bit earlier, I mentioned some breaking news. Trevor Lawrence has just tested positive for COVID-19. This throws a huge wrench in some things. Maybe not necessarily for the money line, but wow, this is going to mess around with the spread. Well, I think this game was already an intriguing matchup. I think it's uh, a battle of two teams that are very different in terms of their style. And now without Trevor Lawrence in the lineup, I'm not sure what Clemson is going to look like. You know, I think Dabo Sweeney is going to have those guys ready. But anytime you get a a younger quarterback in there and not your guy, um, things are going to look a little rusty. I imagine some early three and outs, especially in in the first half in this game. And, you know, I think Boston College's game plan stays the same. And I think it was this going into it is is control the ball run the ball, control the clock, try to keep Clemson off the field as much as possible and do your best to keep it close. And I think they have some pieces to hopefully do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now with Trevor Lawrence out, I mean, it definitely makes it a little bit more even of a playing field. Still not completely. Even. Absolutely. Um, it's, I think what you said, you know, Boston College kind of goes in and uh, they keep that same game plan, which just – follow what they know, do what they've prepared for, things like that. Don't change too much. Now, Trevor Lawrence is obviously one of the best blue chip prospects we've seen in how long? I mean, holy cow, like Andrew Luck tier, right? Yeah, I I would think Andrew Luck's probably the closest comparison, not necessarily in how they play Mm -hmm. as quarterbacks, but in terms of how pro-ready they are and uh, just physically how talented they are at the quarterback position and mentally, really. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to see this. It's going to be interesting. You know, the backup's going to have to come in. I think they're going to focus a lot on Travis Etienne. They're going to be giving that ball to him a lot this week. Um, But it's – it's Clemson knows what they're doing. They've been around. They've they've faced adversity before. It's not like this is going to be anything crazy new, sure – you know, the quarterback has been the staple for them for, you know, this going on three years now. Um, but this team has it all. They know what they're doing. This team definitely has enough. Um, I believe the backup is the freshman DJ Uagalele. Yeah, Uagalele. Uagalele. Yep. You know, I know he was a pretty highly touted recruit uh, out of California. Big kid, 6'4", 250. You know, I'm interested to see how he is. You know, he's he's probably going to end up being the future of of Clemson in not that much time. You know, come January, really. So, um, you know, I, I am going to make sure to tune into this game still, even without the the star quarterback uh, playing and starting in this one. Like you said, I like Travis Etienne. I think he's a good football player. I think that they've struggled a little bit on the ground this year compared to what was expected of them. 
but I think that uh, th- this should be a good good fight for both teams. Absolutely. So I want to look a little bit deeper at Boston College. We know what Clemson is, where they are, who we thought they were. BC sitting at four and two. They played UNC very tough. So it depends if you're you know a believer in Mac Brown's UNC team. Um, then I get that. If it wasn't for a two-point conversion that was picked off at the end by Trey Morrison, that game was going to overtime. It, it, it they they you know they played well against that team. But the way I look at Boston College is they're aggressively average. Uh, they have flashes of like decent play to make some of those top-tier teams worry, but they can't put a whole game together. Um, so my question is, does Clemson have anything to worry about? And could there be a little bit of future-sighted folly knowing that Notre Dame is the week after? I think you always have to think about how that's going to affect a team. And now with this new adversity with their quarterback out, um, it, it could seep in a little bit more. But I think what the great teams do, and Clemson showed this over the past few seasons, is they never look ahead. They focus on one one game at a time. Um you know, they match up well enough with Boston College to really not worry unless they beat themselves, really. Um, unless they start turning the ball over, unless they start getting some penalties or just playing sloppy. I, you know, I still think that they walk away with this one pretty pretty easy, easily. The other question is, does Trevor Lawrence get to play against Notre Dame? And that's obviously a question not for this weekend, but uh, as you continue on through the rest of the season, and especially against the number four ranked team in the country. You know, I I personally think Clemson still covers in this one. I know I'm prematurely giving you my picks, but I still think, uh, you know, Clemson, I think the line was something like 31. Yeah, that's exactly what it was those bets start start falling a little bit and that line comes down a little bit. I still think Clemson has enough to to take it to Boston College. But like I said, Boston College can can get out early in front of the 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 down markers and in front of the time of possession. They're gonna have a chance to at least cover in this one. But for me, Clemson Clemson's gonna walk away with this one victorious. Yeah, as you said, Boston College was getting thirty one points. And now if you check any type of sports book at all Spreads are gone. It's all down. You know, they're they're going to give this time to really think about how much Trevor Lawrence really does make a difference to the score of this game. You go to ESPN, you go to FanDuel, DraftKings, all of them are down. So, you know, it'll definitely be interesting. Final thoughts here. I am, if I'm going off that plus 31, I'm taking Clemson money line, but I have to take Boston College to, to cover that 31 points. I totally get it. Like I said, I'm going to stick with Clemson here. I I think they're the type of team that loves having some sort of adversity, giving themselves a chip on their shoulder, having the national media say, well, maybe, and then coming out and smacking teams in the face. So, Yeah. Um, Well, from one Tiger team to another, uh, what do we make of Memphis going into Cincinnati this weekend? Cincinnati isn't just beating teams on their schedule at this point. They're slaughtering them. Uh, they have an average winning margin of 25 points, and they're steamrolling everyone. Um, on the defensive end, they're giving up just 12 and a half points per game. Last week, they went to Gerald Ford Stadium against a 16th-ranked 5-0 SMU team and made them look awful by beating them 42-13. I know we're not quite at our pretenders versus contenders segment. Bane, I like this team. Do they make easy work of Memphis this week? Oh, man, you know, I uh... – 
the one thing that I've loved seeing is this Cincinnati team progress through the tenure of Luke Fickle. And it really starts on the defensive side of the ball where they just have an incredible amount of playmakers, um, both in, in the pass rush and in the secondary, which is where you win, especially in the American conference where a lot of teams are throwing the ball around. Absolutely. Um, Memphis is good though. Memphis beat Cincinnati twice last year, if you recall. I believe the second time was in the in the championship game of Absolutely. the conference. Absolutely. But this year, we got a different Cincinnati team. I love what the quarterback's doing. He's playing confidently both on the ground and through the air. I like this Cincinnati team. I don't think that they're the seventh ranked team in the country okay. because of of any sort of uh, media, you know, or anything like that. I think they're the seventh best team in the country because they are the seventh best team in the country. I think they have the talent. I think they have the coaching to be a contender, to get one of those New Year's Six games for sure. And I think they can end up winning the American as well. On the other side of the ball, though, Memphis is good. They're going to put up points. This is, I think, Cincinnati's first contest against a, a high potent offense. Um, you know, I all due respect to SMU. I don't think they had the same quarterback play that Memphis has been getting from their quarterback, uh, Brady. Sorry, I'm blanking on his name at the moment. I believe Brady White. And so, you know, I think this will be a, a, a huge test. I think this is going to probably be the best game of the weekend. I think it'll be close. I think Memphis breaks Cincinnati a little bit. But I, I, I don't know. I think Cincinnati's got the goods. Okay. I'm with you. I'm a huge believer in Cincinnati. I love seeing I love seeing these non um, power five teams being in that top ten area, um, especially like a four zero. They're first in the American last year. They had one loss early in the season, and it was to number five Ohio State. Like they, it was a blowout, but they came in. You know, it was early in the season. They tried to do what they could do, and then they went on for the rest of the season and just about demolished each team they played um, until they got to Memphis. Uh, Memphis was their last game of the season, and they took an L 34-24, and then the following week had to play Memphis again and lost a closer one, but 29-24. They ended up getting the Birmingham Bowl and destroying Boston College. So, you know, Memphis definitely got the, uh, the better end of them last year. But I, I I don't think it stays that way. I think this year they uh, they take on they take on this Memphis team. Memphis might might make it a little difficult early, but I just uh, Cincinnati has too much. Like you said, Luke Fickle, uh, he has turned that team into into a beast. Uh, he left that Ohio State team, went to Cincinnati, and now they are just rolling. And I think this is the year. What makes me excited is I look at the teams ahead of them. I look at Cincinnati, the rest of their schedule, Cincinnati, Cincinnati can win the rest of their schedule in my mind, no doubt about it. And if you look at the teams ahead of them right now, there is potential for Cincinnati to continue to move up, which is awesome. Uh, Ahead of, ahead of them teams like um, Notre Dame, Notre Dame could lose. They could lose two more games this season. Really, they have Clemson to play. UNC, they have UNC to play. UNC could win that game. Who knows? Who else is ahead of them right now? They've got Georgia, Georgia. ahead of them at three and one. Exactly. Georgia already has that loss to. Uh, was it Bama? To Bama. Yes. To Bama. Yeah, to Bama. They already have that loss to Bama, and so let's say Georgia wins the rest of the season and then plays Bama in the conference championship. Well, guess what? 
they're if they get two losses, Georgia's out. They're not going to make it in with two losses there, um, especially losing to, the good. Sorry, not to mention too that Georgia still has a game uh, against number ten ranked Florida right now uh, in two weeks. So you know can't really overlook that any any game in the SEC, but especially one between two top ten teams. Exactly, and it's it's so it, it's one of those things where we look at we look at Notre Dame, we look at Georgia, and uh, six ranked oh Oklahoma State. Big one this weekend. Oklahoma State has a big one this weekend. Yes, that. Uh, that I, know, I know we'll get to that for yeah, sure. But. Yeah, um, but I just think if Cincinnati plays the way they're playing, they continue to pound teams into the ground. I know it's crazy, but we could be looking at a first here. We could be looking at a at at, at a uh, non-power five in the top four. But you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. It just gets me a little excited, and I love it. I love it. it, it, it it definitely feels like this could be the team. Um, you know, I think outside of Memphis, really the only other game that that would worry me a little bit is UCF. And, uh, you know, I don't think UCF's as good as Memphis. They, they played a great game a few weeks ago. But, uh, you know, I think that could be a, a game that Cincinnati could slip up to. But I'm rooting for them to go undefeated, go all the way. Sure. Yeah. Um, same. And, you know, I know it sounds crazy, but in my eyes, this is – this team has top four potential. Love it. Um, What's the spread on that one? The spread, uh, that Cincinnati Memphis game last I checked was six and a half. Um, okay. But uh, I'll, we'll make sure that we can get a, uh, a better, more accurate one now. Here we go. All right. So now we're looking at same. It's still six and a half. Okay. Yep. It's still six and a half. You gonna take the Bearcats to win and cover then? I I am. I think maybe earlier, you know, going into going into halftime, it, it it could be tie game, maybe a one possession game. I think Cincinnati finds a way to pull in the, pull away in the second half and um and really take it to Memphis. I think um I know you know some of the players are gone, but I think they're pissed. I, that's how that's through my sports career. You lose to a team the year before they knock you out um, of you know some of those big games that you really want to win, you're ticked the next year. And if you have that opportunity to come back and get them, you take it. So I think, uh, I think they find a way here to really uh, kind of pound them into the ground. So. Love it. Yeah. So money line, Cincy, Cincy covers. What are your final takes on this one, Bane? I'm, I'm going to take Cincinnati to get the win. I'm also going to take them to cover, but I think it's going to be close. I think at the end of the game, they start letting, letting Memphis come back. Little by little, I think they get up big early, and I think Memphis gets a couple of big explosive plays down the stretch to to maybe make it look closer of a game than it actually was. I got you. So we'll see what happens. Uh, moving right along here, uh, we're going to take a look at this Texas, the three and two versus Oklahoma State, who is coming in at four and zero. Oh. The Longhorns are 34th in red zone defense. Oklahoma State comes in at 20th in red zone offense. Not overwhelmingly in favor of Oklahoma State, but they still have the advantage. But uh, the question remains, as for any team that plays against Oklahoma State, can Texas stop Chuba Hubbard? Um, you know, he can completely turn a game around in the favor of the Cowboys with shiftiness, agility at the drop of a 10-gallon hat. Uh, Bain, are the Cowboys going to find a way to rope up the Longhorns like they've done to each team they've played already this season? I think they do. And then I think what really probably hasn't been talked about enough is, yes, Oklahoma State's offense can score at any moment. 
Um, they got that great running back that you mentioned in Chuba Hubbard, um, but they also got a bevy of wide receivers that can make plays in Stoner, Wallace, Johnson. But I think the defense has really been a lot better this year, and I think it's something that separates them from the other teams in their conference. I think they're going to make it difficult on Sam Ellinger and Longhorns offense. I think Ellinger turns the ball over a few times, and I think that's what's going to be the difference in this game. How do you see it? Uh, a little bit different. Uh, I think I think Texas is going to make this really difficult on them. Um, now, Gundy has never really produced stellar defenses in his career at Oklahoma State. However, his offenses have um, produced, you know, with kind of an up and down roller coaster this year. They're definitely up. That offense is 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 nice. The Longhorns find a way to keep it close late. Oh. And I, and I think because of that, there's going to be a mistake or two on the on the offensive end of Oklahoma State. Um, and I think I think we're looking at an upset in Stillwater. I really do. Um, wow. Yeah, I think Texas. Well, you know, they're not they're not as good. They're you know they're they're definitely a pretender every season for the last three seasons. Well, Texas, look out for Texas. No, 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 no. Uh, Texas is back. Yeah, Texas is back. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Longhorns. Texas is not back. Um, uh, yeah, horns down for sure. But um, I, I do think Texas does find a way to to win this game. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, I think I think Sam Ellinger goes off. Okay. And I think he really exposes the secondary of Oklahoma State here. But you know, wow. it, it remains to be seen, and I'm, I'm excited for this one. I, I I really am. It's uh, it'll be. It's going to be a good one, but I like I said, I think Texas finds a way. So I, um, I'm definitely taking Texas money line, and obviously Texas to to Texas with the points. How about yourself? Wow. Well, you know, Oklahoma State's only averaged twelve only averaged twelve points per game allowed this year. Yeah. I think that changes pretty quickly, though. I think this Texas team is the best test that they've had all season. They really haven't played an offense that's that's as explosive as Texas has. But I'm going to go with Oklahoma State. I think they get enough out of their stars on offense, and I think their defense gets a couple of turnovers that really make, a dif- make the difference in this game. I'm going to take Oklahoma State not only to win, but I think they cover as well. Okay, that three and a half. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's as close as, as what you think it's going to be. Um, but we shall see. Uh, Stillwater's always uh, always a good time. All righty. Um, well, looks like we're going to dive right in to our next segment, which is contenders versus pretenders. You know, we're going to talk about some teams here, contenders, pretenders. We've got some some obvious ones uh, when we talk about contenders. I think it's hard to argue against those teams like Clemson and, and Bama, Ohio State. Those three teams are just – they're top tier right now. If, if you want to argue against that, I think you're just arguing for the sake of arguing. That, that goes to anybody. And I think there's a, you know, there's, there's a short list of true other contenders uh, that, can, that can fill in for that fourth spot. Now, anything can happen. Clemson can you know, lose to Notre Dame. Bama could drop, you know, their conference championship and get booted out depending on what other people's records are. Ohio State could go to be um, go to Happy Valley next week and and take an L. It's it's obviously all up in the air, but those three teams are just so good. It's hard not to imagine them being that top four and in that contender um, in, in that contender spot. Bane, what do you think? Uh, contender wise, give me one. 
outside the ones that you had just mentioned, I like BYU. I didn't think I would say that heading into week uh, nine here of college football, but BYU's got a good quarterback. They got good skill position players. I think they they can make a push into the top ten, especially with some of those teams facing each other. Um, and I think they could end up, uh, you know, and maybe being in one of those New Year's six games. Are they going to beat any of those top four teams in the playoffs? I have a hard time believing that. But I like BYU, and I like what they bring to the table. You can't argue that. If you look at their schedule, every team they've played, they've just about decimated, uh, with the exception of uh, the UTSA Roadrunners, who uh, found a way to keep that game close. I don't know how. But, uh, I mean, you you, you got to love it. Hey, don't hate on the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they did not play Army. That did get postponed, so maybe we'll see that later. Um, it, it's it, it's not considered a no contest at this point, but you know we'll see. They have they have Boise State a little bit later in the season. I think that might be their really their, their only test that's really going to like cement who they are as a team. But yeah, BYU's fun. Uh, they're 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 a fun team to watch so far this season. Sitting pretty at six and zero. Their game against Western Kentucky this week is is being broadcast on ESPN. So, you know, if you have time to watch it, it's a, it's a late night game. But if you have time, heck, sit down and watch it. It's 10-15 start. Um, you can really see what this with this uh, you know 11th ranked team in the nation can can really put together, which is kind of cool. Um, but I'm with you. BYU's BYU's a good team. Um, I'm not sure I would have thought. Another contender, you think? Another contender? Uh, sure. at, at this point, I – it's it's early. It's really early. Um, I understand that, but uh, but I have two here that I want to mention. Uh, one being Wisconsin. Now, this is tough. Wisconsin is already at a point in their season, second game of the season. It's a no contest. They're not going to play it. It's done. They were supposed to play Nebraska this week. It's just kaput. So it's that's it's tough to gauge what's going to happen with this with this Wisconsin team um, since this game was canceled. Now I went they went into their first game against Illinois, and I mean they looked the part. They're already ranked ninth. They're one and zero. They still have Michigan on their schedule. Indiana, who knows what Indiana is? Sure, they beat Penn State, but you know that's a whole other story. But I think the I think the Badgers are I think they're a good team. I really do. But it remains to be seen after 16 COVID cases on that team, what what's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, that's that's tough for any team to overcome. And then, like you mentioned, the Big Ten's pretty strong this year, and Wisconsin's going to have to battle a lot of good teams. Yeah, they are. It, it kills me to say that even you, – you could argue Michigan might be a contender. I, I'm not going to argue that, but I, I, I could see why someone would want to argue that. Another team uh, in the SEC – I really like AM. I think Texas AM is one of those sneaky teams right now who's sitting at eighth place that nobody's talking about. And they're only losses to Alabama. I mean, Alabama, you know, they, they beat them up pretty good, but they went in against number fourth ranked Florida, I think, when they played. They won that game, yep. which was which was a great showing for AM. AM and they don't have any other ranked teams on their schedule for the rest of the season. They have Tennessee. Yeah, very favorable matchups from here on out. Absolutely. Tennessee was supposed to – Tennessee let us down again. It's just a Vols thing at this point. Yeah. Um, just like Texas. They're, they're back until they aren't. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Um, they have uh, LSU later in the season, and who knows what's going to happen there. And then they have Auburn. And I'm sorry, I may be the world's biggest 
Bo Nix hater. I just don't think he's the guy. I don't. I don't think he's the guy. But I love the Aggies. I think they could go in and I think they could, you know, go the rest of the season, not lose a game and absolutely vie for a spot in the top four. I think they're a good team. And I think if they have another chance, they make the most of it and take advantage. So I like the Aggies. Awesome. What about yourself? Any other teams you think are contenders this year? I, I, you know, I like Kansas state as a contender in the big 12. I don't know if I would consider them a contender necessarily in the uh, final four or anything like that, but I think they match up pretty well with some other teams in the big 12 that uh, they might see later on in the season or in the conference uh, championship. Uh, such as Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. Yeah. Let's take a look at some of our our pretenders. Um, I want to start quick and and more or less mention that neither of us said this team as a contender. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably thinking, where is Georgia? I think Georgia has been on, you know, riding the coattail of Bama for too long. They can't beat Bama when it matters. I'm sure a couple years ago they won the uh, SEC, but they didn't win when it mattered most in that natty. And I just think Georgia is not not a team that makes it happen in big games. I just think they're pretenders. I'll be here when they prove me wrong, and I'll openly admit they proved me wrong. But right now, I just do not think um, they're a contender. Well, it's been a while since they've proven that they are. Like you said, they they've won the SEC and. That's all good and dandy, but at the end of the day, if you're not holding up the national championship, uh, you know, what are you really showing us? And like you said, they they can't seem to get over the Bama hump, which is something that a lot of teams can't. You know, LSU was able to do it last year, but we all see where LSU's at this year, you know. I don't foresee Alabama losing again, meaning if Georgia wants a shot at them, it's going to be in the conference championship game, and I'm not sure that they have enough firepower to, to, to handle them. I don't know if I would necessarily count Georgia out and call them a full-on pretender, but I don't see them as a contender the same way I see Clemson, Alabama, or Ohio State at this point. Yeah, uh, and I just think I think it's been too long since they've shown us that top-tier finish-the-job talent. Some other pretenders uh, on on my mind, I loved Florida at the beginning of the season, and you know the more I watch – I don't think that this team has what it takes. They're at two and one last year. They had a little bit of a, a quarterback controversy between Kyle Trask and Felipe Franks. Uh, Franks is gone. He's now at Arkansas and he, you know what? He's doing okay things with the Razorbacks, which, which is kind of cool. Trask while playing, you know, fairly well when they, when they took that L to Texas A&M, as much as I think Texas A&M is good, I just cannot see, this team coming out and, and and vying for you know that's that spot in in the East as the as the number one seed. They still have they still have Georgia to play. Um, they're going to play LSU now, a game that was postponed at the end of the season. And while LSU isn't necessarily what we you know what we expected, uh, I still think they're they have talent to go out and and take out the Gators. So I think the Gators are definitely a a pretender at this point. Who, who are you thinking here, Bane? No, I. I... Totally see what you're saying about Florida. I think sometimes they're just sloppy and and you know they're inconsistent. They're they're a bit of a roller coaster team. So I I, I think I'm on board with your contender or excuse me pretender pick there with Florida. Two teams that I I'm personally weary of Notre Dame. 
Okay. I know I pick on Notre Dame every year, but I think this year, especially with them having to play a conference of teams that will already know each other and them having to come in and try to figure that out, they, they might be having a tough road ahead. Um, they do have obviously the game against Clemson, which will, which will, you know, we'll see how that goes, especially if Trevor Lawrence plays. That will really tell us a lot, I think, about Notre Dame. And then they have another big matchup with UNC at UNC uh, later in the year, which I think could also be a game that they slip up. So I'm not so sure about Notre Dame being the fourth best team in the country. The other pretender that I want to bring up, and I, you know, I hate talking bad about any group of five team because I, I you know, I, it's just great to see non-power five teams really get the spotlight and get the opportunity to shine show you that there's good football outside of it but i'm not buying the coastal carolina chandeliers what 20th in the country i know that doesn't seem like they're necessarily in the mix as a contender anyway um, but they've won a couple of close games including one over uh, what was 21 ranked uh, louisiana lafayette on the last second field goal um you know, if you look at the standings right now in the fun belt, they, they're pretty far out and ahead, but they do have to play Appalachian State, which I think is a good team. They have to play at Troy, which is also another good team and, and a tough contest. And then at the end of the year, they have to play a game with Liberty at the end of December, or excuse me, beginning of December, which I think Liberty is a much improved team, and that's that could be a, a game that trips them up. So I'm not ready to fully buy into the Coastal Carolina as the next group of five team to, to take that leap. I think it's great what they've been able to do so far, and they've been fun to watch, but I think uh, their luck's going to be running out sooner rather than later. Sure. <laughs> you, can't, you know, you can't hate on any group of five team in the top 25, but so, this one. Yeah, no. Um, so here's my question for you. Completely hypothetical. Makes no sense to even ask the question, but here I am doing it. Coastal Carolina plays Marshall. Who are you taking? I'm taking Marshall. You're taking- I think Marshall really good team okay actually marshall's had some some good games uh good wins excuse me and um you know i i don't know if they're necessarily a contender in regards to being uh you know a cincinnati type or ucf from a year ago but uh you know i think that they win cusa okay. for sure yeah uh i also like that little uh reference uh sun belt being called the fun belt like, Come on. Oh, what a, what a, what a conference. What a conference. You know, uh, Bane, before we go into our last segment, my personal favorite segment, sweets, treats, and tweets, I do want to talk about one more, uh, one more exciting thing going on in college football. And that is this, this, this upcoming Wednesday. Now keep in mind, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday, this upcoming Wednesday, the world gets a little maction in their life, baby. They get a, they get a, they get a little maction in, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm I'm ready to see them Bobcats go in and, and upset Central Michigan. What do you think? Lights, camera, action, man. I'm I'm really excited for this first week of action. There's a lot of really good matchups. I like the Bobbies rolling into Central Michigan in the Mount Pleasant, and uh, and I like their chances in that one. Yeah, I mean, r- right now you you got to roll Bobbies. It's plain and simple, right? Always. Absolutely. Any any but any team that has a mascot that can just go out and straight up tackle Brutus to the ground, you you gotta you gotta give some sort of credit credit to. Basically you're you're guaranteed six six wins with uh, Frank Solich at the helm. And uh well the Bobbies only have six games this year, so I'll let you do the math on that one. I love it. I love it. 
All righty, let's move right along here. As college football fans, we all wish that our team could win the national championship. But with Make-A-Wish, wishes are more than just a nice thing. And they are far more than gifts or singular events in time. Wishes impact everyone involved from kids, volunteers, donors, sponsors, medical professionals, communities, and more. For Wish Kids, just the act of making their wish come true can give them the courage to comply with their medical treatments and fight on. Please visit wish.org backslash donate and help make a child's wish come true. Moving right along to our last segment of the session. Sweets, treats, and tweets. You know, there's a few tweets uh, that I was able to find this week that, you know, I either thought were interesting in the college football landscape um, or just made me chuckle. Um, that I kind of want to talk about before I get to the best part of the podcast, the snacks and the sweets. Um, but first is a tweet from James Franklin um, about Ohio State. And when I say it was about Ohio State, I mean, literally, it was nothing more than that, nothing less than that. I'm going to read you the tweet exactly as it is. Uh, October 25th, James Franklin tweets, and I quote, Ohio State, 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 Ohio State. Ohio State, 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 Ohio State. Hashtag we are. I look at that tweet and I think to myself, okay, Jimmy, we get it. You're playing Ohio State this weekend. I think you should have focused more on the hashtag there and probably added going to lose to the end of that we are. But it's it's neither here nor there, James. Show us that you know how to coach at the end of the game. So uh, that that's one tweet I thought was interesting. Uh, another tweet uh, that kind of goes along with the, like I said, the college football landscape here. Uh, you know, it's a few years away, but um, Tom Van Haren, uh, or Tom Van Haren, sorry, breaks. Uh, he broke news. The number one quarterback of the 2022 class, Quinn Ewers, decommitted from Texas. Now, this is a kid who has lived in Texas his entire life played at a high school in Texas his entire career, started for four years. The kid is an absolute stud, and he decided, you know what? I'm decommitting. I'm, 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 I commit a little early. I don't want to be with Texas. And I think Texas is shooting themselves in the foot, man. I think they are. Um, now he's looking at Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, or Oklahoma. Why not, right? Yeah, I mean, in recruiting, you know <laughs> – I'm always looking at those schools no matter what position I play. So uh, it is a little surprising, though. 2022, like you mentioned, it's early. So I won't worry about it too much. But uh, it's definitely intriguing to see those recruiting battles already taking place uh, with some decommitments. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you look at some of the classes um, for 2021, 2022, it's just – Something those those kids got to keep in mind, and they know that. Um, but uh, you know, look forward to seeing where he ends up uh, committing. So who knows? Uh, last tweet on my end, uh, Paul Feinbaum tweeted saying, "At this point, what team should we be worried about?" When I see that tweet, I think about not necessarily worried about in the sense of, oh, you know, we're not making the college uh, football playoff this year, but more along the lines of, wow, like you know, we thought we had something coming along, building here, and and it's just not there. I, I look at teams. Um, I look at teams like Virginia Tech who 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 have been struggling. They've been a team that, you know, as as a personal VTech fan for for a decent chunk of, of my life, 
they've been a team that has underperformed in 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 my eyes. I think that's the best way I can kind of ex- express that. What are your thoughts on VTech? Yeah, I mean, I think every year they go into conference play and everybody talks about them as, well, yeah, that could be a team that Clemson trips up to or, you know, could be a, a good fight for one of the better ACC teams. And they just haven't put it all together in quite some time. So I totally understand that. And I think you're right. That tweet about which team should be worried is all about expectations. Yeah. And before I let you dive a little deeper into that one, um, another team that I think should be worried right now uh, for the reason of college football playoffs is is that Notre Dame team. That schedule is just uh, – they've got Clemson coming up. They've got a good UNC team. Mac Brown, man, he knows what he is doing, and he has some sneaky play, and I love it. He's got those guys in the locker room bought in. I like UNC a lot, and that's a team that didn't have the expectations, I think, heading into the year That uh, that's playing with confidence. What are your thoughts? Any teams uh, you think you should be worried about? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think, for one, uh, I'm going to start with this team every single year, and it's Michigan. Guess what? It's you got to pay the Pied Piper. you got to be able to be the only other team in the conference that matters. And that's the team in Columbus. And until they do that, I, I don't think there's anybody in the country that can't be worried about Michigan, regardless of what the media wants to talk about with that team, regardless of where they're ranked, always worried about Michigan. Another team that I think should be worried, LSU. Obviously, they're coming off of a huge, remarkably historic college football season a year ago. Arguably the greatest of all time arguably the greatest of all time. And of course they were led by one of the greatest quarterbacks in college football history. And that's not lost on me by any means, but at some point you got to look at it and say, okay, where did things go wrong to the point where we couldn't field a competitive squad in the sec this year because of losing all of those guys to the NFL or to graduating or anything like that. You know, obviously they've had some bad luck. I believe their star receiver, uh, Jamar Chase was uh, opted out of the season. That's always difficult to deal with, but I don't really like anything that this team's been doing on either side of the ball so far this year. I'd be worried if I were them. And then finally, the last team that I would say should be worried is the Miami Red Hawks. Uh, voted the number one team in the Mid-American Conference East Division this year by the coaches. They're the reigning MAC champs. But I'll tell you why they should be worried. They should be worried because there's a little team that got picked to be third in the East that's on their tail, and that's the Ohio University Bobcats. They're going to have a great season this year, and I think they're really going to go after those Miami Red Hawks. So, Red Hawks, there's a target on your back. You should be worried. I love it. The best action is Maction. There's no doubt about that. Lights, camera, Maction. And uh, I do have uh, two tweets as well, Dan, that I'd like to share with your listeners if you'd let me. Yeah. Uh, do you mind if I chime in one more time about this Maction game here? Let's go. Let's get it. Um, something uh, for all listeners to keep in mind, Maction doesn't play by any of uh, the NCAA's nonsense rules. They play on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and it is hype. You're not doing anything on Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Sit down. Turn on ESPN, watch some action. Do yourself a favor. It's on ESPN. You already have that channel. You you already know where that channel is. You tune into it every other weekend. It's very easy. Wednesday night, 
flip through channels, guarantee you'll land on ESPN. Guarantee you'll see yourself a good game. Absolutely. Bane, let's hear those tweets. Okay, real quick. So Adam Schefter just a little bit ago tweeted out that Trevor Lawrence's COVID test was taken Wednesday, and that counts as day one in his 10-day countdown to be eligible to play next Saturday against Notre Dame. It's possible he had symptoms earlier, which could even push up his eligibility to play if he tests negative. So there we have our answer. It's a 10-day quarantine for college football student-athletes in terms of being able to get through COVID. And it sounds like we're going to get Trevor Lawrence against Notre Dame if he continues to test negative from here moving forward. The other tweet that I'd like to mention is uh, our, from our buddy Lane Kiffin. If you don't follow the Ole Miss head coach on Twitter, you are missing out. Um, and in fact, two coaches in Mississippi right now, both Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach down there at Mississippi State, are just must-follows on Twitter if you aren't already. Well, coach Kiffin got <laughs> fine this past weekend. Yes, he did. <laughs> for not wearing his mask and not complying with uh, COVID-related rules. And so they fined him, I believe it was $25,000. And uh, Coach Kiffin tweeted out, where can I find 25,000 pennies? He then corrected his own tweet to say 250,000 Fantastic. Which is still only $2,500. And finally corrected it to 2.5 million, which is the correct number to pay his fine. So, <laughs> and hats off to you. That was a that, that was a moment that made me chuckle and smile a little bit. After three tweets, he, he finally figured out how many pennies he actually needed. Math is hard. Hey, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to quit his day job anytime soon. I think he's doing just fine. But, yeah, no, uh, those, those are some good tweets there, Bane. Nice choice. Uh, as always, we're going to end our, our segment today with treats and sweets, something I treated myself with this week, uh, just some extra salty chips with some ancho chili salsa. It really hit the spot. Uh, my sweet of the week was a chocolate chip whoopie pie. If you don't know what a whoopie pie is, Google it. If you call it a gob because you're from Western Pennsylvania or the Midwest, you're wrong and that's okay. It's a whoopie pie and man, are they wonderful. Bane, you got anything for me on your treats and sweets? Uh, this week, one treat that I really was proud of myself for, made a little bacon chicken ranch pizza. It was awesome. Really enjoyed it. Homemade pizza. Can't get better than that. And then my treats for the week. My beautiful wife bought us candy to give out to the trick-or-treaters from this past weekend. Not single one trick-or-treater showed up at our house. So we have a bunch of candy, which is great for the bane. And I've been eating good on the sweets this week. Well, we can't let it go bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, um, you know, as always, we love doing this for you guys. Send us an email at the four year starter at gmail.com with any requests that you have that we can talk about. Signing off, this is the Bane and the Bear. We'll see you